Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. I am the stone that the builder refused. I am the visual, the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues. I'm the spark that makes your idea bright. The same spark that lights the dark so that you can know you're not from your right. I am the ballad in your box, the bullet in the gun, the inner glow that let you know to call your brother son. The story that just begun, the promise of what's to come. And I'm going to remain a soldier till the war is won. Run. Chop, chop, chop. Say that each time I get a pair of new shoes now. (laughs) Do you? Yes. (laughs) You know what I sing every time I think about this sitcom? What's that? Booty butt cheeks. Booty booty butt cheeks. (laughs) You got to go up with it. Booty butt cheeks. You got to do the booty dance. <laughs> booty dance, booty dance. <laughs> What's poppin', everybody? If you could not tell by now, this episode, we will be talking about the American animated sitcom, The Boondocks, created by Aaron McGruger for Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. Um, it's based on the comic strip uh, that was originally out first, and then they transitioned that into a sitcom. I actually remember, because that's how much of a nerd I am, I read the Sunday Funnies every Sunday because my grandma got the subscription. And so I remember this as a comic strip. So I was really excited when it became an actual sitcom. Oh, wow. Because it was he he was writing for the University of Maryland's um, newspaper as well. And I saw something about it being 1999. So when was he doing that comic strip for the newspaper? Was that 99 too? It may have been, but I think it was after that, too, because I definitely remember um, (laughs) one of the comic strips talking about the the funniest um, name known to mankind or something like that, known to black men, and it being like Pastor Mason Betha, and then the rest of the comic strip just being them laughing about Pastor Mason Betha. (laughs) So I know that definitely happened in the 2000s. But um, Buffalo is a very interesting city. And so it lasted for a little bit. And then it was one of those cities where the comic strip got taken out of our funny pages. Because then I went looking for it because it was so relatable and the jokes were hilarious. And then it wasn't there anymore. Damn. It was like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that is something that kind of started happening here and about, and which is why they moved to the larger format of sitcoms. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Interesting yeah. how things work. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, it was de- um, debuted in newspapers April 19th of 1999. Cool. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so what are some of, I feel like I have just a page of just quotable. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, like I was like, how am I supposed to come up with quotables? So I kind of went based off of my like most memorable and favorite episodes. I kind of went from there. I'm ready. (laughs) Oh, oh, it's on me. Okay, so of course (laughs) you can't talk about the boondocks without talking about two iconic episodes. Okay, one being um, Tom, Sarah and Usher. Can't 
can't talk about that one. I mean, can't talk about Boondocks without talking about that one. And then the trial of R. Kelly, right? And so for me, how relevant to this day? Look, look at Aaron McGruder, just the residency. He he knew, he knew that this wasn't going to be the last time this was going to be a conversation, which is a damn shame. A damn shame. Uh, So, of course, you know, Riley is upset. He is like, R. Kelly is is innocent. You know, he's like, I see P coming. I move. She saw piss coming. She stayed. (laughs) 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 And then he was like, damn, you just got shut down by an (laughs) eight-year-old. So... That's one. Uh, and of course, there's more in that episode. Um, Golden Shower, you name it. So many other quotes coming from there. And then the Usher episode. Are you doing the music video thing again? When he <laughs> was doing the video. And then my favorite part, I don't know why. It's, it's not even really a quotable, but it's like, let it burn, car. And then they come back. <laughs> <laughs> See, so, my favorite part of his song singing that was, look at my chest. <laughs> <laughs> Touching the rain as it's going down the windowsill. He was so dramatic. Had to get the pimp name Slipback involved. My name is a pimp named Slickback. Like a tribe called Quest. You say the whole thing. A pimp named Slickback. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every time. <laughs> yes, every time. Let me see. And then, what's another one? Speaking of a pimp named Slipback, guess hoes coming to dinner <laughs> when um, Pops, or not Pops, what's his name? Granddad? Grandpa? Granddad. Granddad. When he was like, you can't talk to a young woman like that. He was like, um, I'm sorry, sir. Where is the woman? That's a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> And then Hugh and Riley was making coming up with this checklist of whether or not she was a hoe. And it was like, can she run in heels? And see, I remember. Can she run really fast in heels? Because <laughs> <laughs> them little. Listen, because I've, I've ran in heels before, okay? Listen, I feel judged. I feel judged. <laughs> you um, they added you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I mean. At least I'm an honest hope. Because <laughs> honest hope, love the Lord. Honest <laughs> hope, love the Lord. <laughs> when we get shirts, if we get shirts, this was our first shirt. Honest hope, love the Lord. <laughs> please, please. Oh, and then um, a date with the booty warrior. When, uh... Because <laughs> the days in the episode. <laughs> I know. And that that's what made it, like, stand out for me even more. Because I was like, I remember this episode. <laughs> Because of the name. <laughs> and so um, Tom has to say during his um, support group, my booty is mine. It belongs to me. You cannot take my booty. <laughs> and he does it when he's being um, when he's being held at a shank point by a toothbrush that Riley created. <laughs> And he realizes, my booty's not yours. <laughs> my booty. <laughs> you can't have my booty. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, those are just a few. I mean, I have plenty more. 
but I definitely want to hear some of yours because I know you have the best one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to start off by um, saying that <laughs> some of the homophobia of this show, <laughs> oh. with that, I, I don't know if it would, but because we're it's it nostalgia, I just, <laughs> Bitch yeah, ass, faggot ass, punk ass, pussy ass, bitch ass, nigga! <laughs> oh my God. And how many times did he call uh, Huey gay? That's nigga, gay. You gay. <laughs> nigga, you gay. Nigga, that's gay. Mm. Nigga, you gay. He was like, <laughs> you literally Gosh. think everything is gay. <laughs> how could you not think this is gay? <laughs> Did you know that the episode, the itis, that's when uh, granddad makes his his food with his restaurant with his restaurant. <laughs> that was actually good concept. Might I add? That's the only episode that didn't mention the word nigga. Yep. Every single other one. Damn. What a shame. <laughs> and, and what's his matter of fact? Did you know that you could have a nigga moment? <laughs> yes. Nigga moments. <laughs> Learn that another from one the that's yep mm-hmm. used in my regular um repertoire. One that we've just I don't know why I recently started saying a lot in my family. Boo! <laughs> Get Boom. off the stage, granddad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> why are you booing? <laughs> I had a moment. Bye. Real recognized, real. You looking kind of unfamiliar right now. <laughs> you do recognize that light skin hoe is a hoe, <laughs> right? Damn, Riley has some of the best quotes, though. I mean, Senor Pinata. Hola, Senor Pinata. Stop it, boy. Stop it. Where's my belt? Woo, woo. I must be blind too, cause I sure didn't see that ass movie coming. Boy. <laughs> Yo, how bad you gotta telegraph your punches for a blind nigga to see him coming, Granddad? Riley, the man <laughs> obviously had a heightened sense of hearing. Oh, I thought Granddad had a heightened sense of falling. No, that's enough. Now you just stop laughing at your granddaddy. It Yo, ain't that. What's wrong with you? Granddad had hit me written on his forehead in prayer. I said that's enough. <laughs> okay. What you gonna do? Beat me? Maybe I should get a blindfold first. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Wait, maybe he gonna fall on me. <laughs> Riley, stop! Granddad, Roddy Key just called and said, Damn, I thought I got my ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> this show is hella racist and homophobic. <laughs> That's a bitch move, Santa. I'm coming for that ass till you pay what you owe. <laughs> Wait, but why Riley didn't know how to spell or write his words? Questions that need answers. <laughs> because he wasn't paying attention in class. He was too busy calling his teachers nigga. How's a nigga gonna borrow a fry? Is a nigga gonna give it back? <laughs> <laughs> he calls everyone nigga. He calls me nigga. <laughs> teacher was so confused like I just and they sing I know I'm saying it back (laughs) (laughs) and I think I like just I think Riley as a character is summed up (laughs) and when they uh, are doing the fundraiser and (gasps) he said 
But well, then I thought, what if this was a movie? Look, fuck you, fuck the plane you flew in on, fuck them shoes, fuck those socks with the bell on it, fuck your gay ass fairy faggot accent, fuck them cheap ass cigars, fuck your yuck mouth teeth, fuck your hairpiece, fuck your chocolate, fuck Guy Ritchie, fuck Prince William, fuck yeah. the Queen. This is America. My president is black and my Lambo is blue, nigga. Now get the fuck out my hotel room. And if I see you in the street, I'm slapping the shit out of you. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but he's not one. the only one. And so as as well as you know me, I, I, I feel that you would concur on how I spiritually <laughs> relate to Huey. Oh, hell yeah. Jesus was black, Ronald Reagan was the devil, and the government is not lying about 9-11. Thank you. <laughs> you better not dream of telling the white people the truth. <laughs> you having that dream again? Ow! Mm-hmm. You having that dream where you made the white people riot, weren't you? But I was telling the truth. How many times have I told you you better not even dream about telling white folk the truth? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then he goes, You better learn how to lie like me. I'm going to find me a white man and lie to him right now. <laughs> yeah, this show is hella funny. I love it. <laughs> and then whenever I see um, white people just trying to relate too hard and just doing the most, I think of Harambe! <laughs> Harambe! <laughs> The foolishness. He was so convicted. <laughs> <laughs> so, but with that, I did not diagnose Huey because I felt like all of his paranoia was real. He was being spied on, followed, conspired against, obstructed. He had sufficient <laughs> basis for all of these. He was justified, warranted, and had justification. <laughs> For all of his uh, feelings that, you know, the government was out to get him because they were. He retired from domestic terrorism, yet they continued to still investigate him. Retired from domestic terrorism. (laughs) Okay, so. It's listed as his bio. When they appear on the news, it said retired domestic terrorism. (laughs) He gave that life up. You can retire terrorism. <laughs> in all honesty, not in hey, America. Look, if you if you could leave the gang, if you could leave the mob, you can retire from domestic terrorism. Not since 9-11, you can't. Did you hear him? They're lying about 9-11. They, they are. And you know what's sad? And this has nothing to do with nothing. But when September 11 came around and all them documentaries came out, Oh, they outed the United States in them lives. So Huey was on it. That's only the beginning. (laughs) That's just the ones that they're letting themselves. A seat. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I just need to add that every time my family goes to Red Lobster, we say, not the cheddar biscuits. This show has given so much to the culture. Erin Gruger, we appreciate you wherever Listen, you are, bruh. Thank you. <laughs> we love you, man. We love you. Because without this, I don't even know what we would do. And then what I really loved about it was that 
I realized late in the game, of course, that each episode was actually a true, somewhat of a true story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the one with Riley and his teacher, that was actually mm-hmm. a true story of a student. And it, <laughs> they depicted the very uh, opening scene was the exact interview and setup for that particular news story or coverage. I yep. was like, wow. Okay, I see what y'all did there. And then the one with um, Oprah Winfrey giving out that coupon. <laughs> they had to edit that one because of uh, <laughs> fear of depicting actually doing harm to yeah. Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> I mean, but they was doing harm to everybody else. Martin Luther King's episode, bruh. I was low key. Niggas love to complain. Niggas hate to wait. <laughs> Bruh, and then Al Sharpton was upset about that. He publicly criticized him <laughs> for making him say the word nigga because Martin Luther King would never say the word nigga. May he rest That's me. the point that he was making. Like, these niggas drove him to the point of saying nigga. He wasn't going to say nigga at first. He wasn't saying nigga at first. But then, you know what? Nigga! <laughs> nigga. <laughs> <laughs> And then why they had to make him sound so slow? I was like, he did not talk like that all the time. Stop it. Play too much. Because yeah, everything he said was profound and moving. That's what it was. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> and then um, the booty warrior, a date with the booty warrior, was actually um, the prisoner, Fleece Johnson, went yeah. um, off that episode of Lockdown. I like you. I like you. I want you. Now, I tell you what. I like you and I want you. Now, we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. <laughs> I was like, I can't. That episode was so uncomfortable. But it was, it was kind of funny. But in my opinion... And the peanut yeah. butter and grape jelly, though. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you see, like, the real YouTube video of the, them really oh, saying that? In yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so nasty. <laughs> I don't want no peanut butter and jelly no more. <laughs> Mm-mm. Definitely don't want it in my booty. In your booty butt cheeks. <laughs> I cannot. Uh, oh, I have a real question for you. I have a real uh, okay. serious question. Okay. I'm ready. Is BET black bad for black people? Did you hear Bart Luther King when he said it is the worst thing? <laughs> I know Deborah uh, ass was mad as hell. <laughs> you know. You know it, and they wouldn't hear it. And did you know that because he gave so much shit for, or like, at the beginning, like, I want to say season one, um, where he made the, it made them actually want to take off BET Uncut at night. Because he was, it was like, what is this for? Like, who, who are you helping by putting this out here? But BET Uncut taught a lot of people things. Out of pussy pop on the handstand? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. And, and no. Pussy. Pussy popping. <laughs> and Nelly and that damn credit card swipe. <laughs> Which was, in Nelly's defense, was the young lady's idea. He said, because they had thrown all of the, the, it was prop money. And they had threw all of the prop money. And she was like, you got an ATM card. It works. It accepts all major credit cards. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> <laughs> but do you feel like it's bad for Black people? I feel like BET uh, started off as something pretty, started off as, as a good concept. 
And once um, Donnie Summers left, it just was trash. <laughs> once the second they took off Teen Summit, it started was the de- was decline. You know, 106 Apart tried, but you can't hold a whole network on with just one, one show. show. And then Free and AJ left, and then nothing good has come from it ever since. I'm sorry, uh, my Aggie Pride brother, Terrence J, but you know it wasn't no good after they left. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> Things are better when you add I love you at the end. <laughs> As Uncle Ruckus would say there was powerful niggatry at work here. That's what happens at, at BET. Powerful mm-hmm. niggatry. Because they could do so much. Like, literally, they could do so much. Like, why aren't HBCUs playing sports on BET? Why is it there? Why did they do away with the nightly news and having news mm-hmm. content on BET? Yeah. Okay, if it's just entertainment and you want to stick to music, why the hell y'all ain't playing videos no more? No, no. So just, no. you know, what else? But we ain't here to talk about them. We are here to talk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just want you to know that uh, McGruger absolutely hated BET and he made it known on several different occasions. Yeah, Which but everyone that I know that worked for BT said it was a ghetto hot mess too. Like folks ain't always getting paid on time and they they mm-hmm. mentioned that in the little skits and you know mm-hmm. the people who were writing and doing the different things uh yeah, didn't need to be there. Either way, here no neither here nor there. All of my friends no longer work for BT, so I can say whatever I want to about them cuz they're not paying none of my bills unless they want to, you know, sponsor the show in which case I love Viacom. Word, shout out to Viacom. Fuck them. Anyway, uh <laughs> Okay. So, is it all right to cross dress for Christ? We <laughs> 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 just from the Tyler Perry episode, which you will never yes. see air anywhere else in the world because Tyler Perry was not having that shit. <laughs> he was pissed. He shut that shit all the way down. You can still stream the ones about BT. You can't even stream the one about <laughs> No, sir. No, sir. It's only listed for record purposes only. <laughs> oh, Lee. But, oh, he read that man for filth. Okay. Show did, and he was going to keep the main person's name, Tyler Perry, too. He showed sure us and had to change it. Because <laughs> he was trying to play <laughs> He gave no fucks. He was like, mm, still that nigga Tyler Perry. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Did you know? That there were mixtapes made for each season of the Boondocks. No. Girl, they out there. You can go listen to them right now. Each season has its own mixtape. Get the out of here. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you can um, I guess bump booty butt cheeks. <laughs> oh, yes. Right when I pull up into the school parking lot. Booty butt cheeks. <laughs> you gotta make sure you got you some kickers though. You need some bass with that. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's always the video for me. Ain't nothing but ass in the video. (laughs) It's what you need for a successful music video. You have to have a certain level of ass content to ensure your success. Absolutely. It's like an ass ratio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a quota. You got to meet it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Unless you're an R&B singer, then you have to have chest like Tom. Look at my chest. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so with that being said, what did you diagnose Tom Dubois with? Or did you diagnose Tom? (laughs) I guess it's a more fitting question first. I did diagnose Tom. Okay. 
hold on, because I gotta <laughs> I gotta go to the exact page. Um, but I diagnosed him with specific phobia. Me too. <laughs> I was gonna say fear of injury, but then I was like, maybe it's the situation. Okay, so I got very specific. Of. I got very specific with my uh specific phobia. So let me hear what you think. Okay, well, friends. Okay, so this is under the anxiety disorder section of the DSM. And specific phobia has this list of criteria, of course, but then it, it gives you a code based off of the uh, phobic stimulus. And so they have animal, natural environment, blood injection, injury, other codes that are listed, situational, and other. So for me, I was at first I had wrote out uh, fear of injury. And then I was like, because mm, like they gave me the, the example of needles and invasive medical procedures. And then other um, says situations that may lead to choking or vomiting in children, loud sounds, uh, costumes, characters and shit like that. But I didn't know exactly <laughs> how to give him the phobia of dropping, getting raped in the butt. Being anally raped. Okay, so then let me do that for you. So I have two under the situational uh, specific phobia. Um, The first one is carcerophobia, which is the fear of prison. And anyone can suffer this fear, even though they have Mm. done nothing illegal in their lives, um, Mm. where they even outline how Tom specifically lived his life so that he would not go to prison. Yes. (laughs) Um, Sufferers would usually have obsessive thoughts about what life is like in prison, which would lead me to my second specific phobia, which is virginitophobia, which is the fear of being raped. And so Mm -hmm. I put those two together to to describe his fear of going to prison and being anally raped. There you go. There you go. See, and I was just so stuck on being in the DSM, I didn't even think to look up the different types of phobias that are out there. So look at you doing the damn thing. Okay. My due diligence to to diagnose my uh, mulatto brother Tom here. <laughs> Who is he even mulatto or is he just light skin? The world may never know. Okay, so if Tom was my client, um, <laughs> I might do some schema therapy with him mm-hmm. because clearly he is replaying this one scene of this prison movie that he has seen in his head over and over. And possibly maybe some CBT so we could do some cognitive restructuring on <laughs> his thoughts surrounding him going to prison and being annually raped. Um, some relaxation strategies to clear those that the anxiety that comes along with it, some mindfulness. Um, he unfortunately got exposure therapy, uh, some flooding by being put into <laughs> prison, which obviously overwhelmed him. <laughs> but it, it made him come out just a tad bit stronger. <laughs> But when he called Sarah on the phone, I gotta go back for the kids. <laughs> he left the kids. <laughs> and Riley gave him so much shit <laughs> for leaving them. <laughs> he deserved it. <laughs> he did. He cussed him clean out. How you gonna leave us? <laughs> so I agree and, and it was I thought it was interesting because um the depiction of the support group and what he <laughs> learned <laughs> the support group actually came in handy for him. So um, that was- You can't have my booty! <laughs> <laughs> and the way he does the, <laughs> the thrust. 
the thrust. He's basically throwing it back. Hey. <laughs> that's supposed to help you. Okay. Okay. Oh. So, yes, that's what I, I have for him. I mean, that was really all I, I really could have. I mean, he, he they, they kind of outline how that fear has shaped his entire life. So I feel like everything that goes on with Tom is better explained about even his decision-making processes, all explained about his, by his fear of going to jail and being anally raped. <laughs> okay, who's next? <laughs> okay, so my baby Riley. Oh, Lord. You go straight for the heavy. <laughs> you don't want to go Riley yet? No, no, no. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, so... I don't know if you're going to agree with me. And I feel like I was reaching because honestly, I didn't want to diagnose Riley. Um, but I went for a heavy hitter <laughs> considering. Um, <clears throat> avoidant personality disorder. Wow. Okay. Yeah, please. please. Elaborate. <laughs> Enlighten me. So my frame of thinking is that Huey and Riley are on a spectrum in my mind as far as opposing um, ideas and understanding of the world and even personality, just based off of that. And I put them in clusters of the personality disorders. So Riley's on one end of cluster C and Huey's on cluster A, in cluster A. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Huey is not diagnosable? We, we got, okay. I'm mm-hmm. going to let it slide, but mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. But no, I like where you're going with this um, avoidant. I, I, I like I like what you're given. Please okay. continue. All right. So avoids occupational activities. This is uh, the criteria. And basically, I'm thinking about all of <laughs> Riley's interactions, especially his um, relationship with the with the two white guys that now I'm not knowing their names. Ed um, Wunsler and Jen Rummy. <laughs> yes. First of all. <laughs> Why does he have this relationship with them? <laughs> why? <laughs> More importantly, why do they as grown men have this relationship with, with him? him. <laughs> why? So anyway, he definitely fears criticism, disapproval, and rejection. And that was seen Thugnificent episode when he's trying to, <laughs> to get a chain <laughs> to be a part of the, the, the group. And he didn't care about anything else besides the chain. And then to find out that the thing was fake at the end, he didn't care. He still put that thing on. It was still flossing in the sun. Um, <laughs> Do your chain halo? Does it wobble? Does, Does it, it wobble? Can <laughs> you tie it in a knot? Is it platinum? Is it platinum? Does it go? Does it go? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm willing to get involved with people unless certain to, of being liked. So that was, again, that Thugnificent um, episode with him. Shows resistance within intimate relationships because of the fear of being shamed or ridiculed. And so he, I mean, that to me is seen with uh, Granddad and with Huey. And just, you know, constantly not want to be, wanting to be considered gay and <laughs> soft. Um, preoccupied with being criticized and rejected in social situations. Again, it, it reminds me of uh, the Bob Ross episode when he mm-hmm. goes and he was painting and he wanted to, you know, he didn't want to be criticized. He wanted people to know that he was the one behind it. But Bob Ross was like, now nah, we're going to do this illegally over here. The fake Bob Ross. Maybe Bob Ross. 
um, is inhibited of new interpersonal situations because of feelings of inadequacy. So again, I feel like he had this whole thing of not wanting to be embarrassed, not wanting to seem um, weak or gay or not being liked. So he put on this persona even more so, so that he could fit in, but it also pushed people away from him. What are your thoughts? I freaking love it. What? It, I hadn't even thought about it that way, but I love it. I do want to add. <laughs> what? <laughs> I would like to add in your recess, Nocturne only, because if you do recall in the R. Kelly episode, uh-huh. he said, you remember when we was littler? <laughs> and we used to sleep in the same bed. And I yes. used to sometimes have a little accident. <laughs> Huey you said, do. you still do. <laughs> So am I going to get arrested now? <laughs> so for those that um, may not know, enuresis <laughs> is an elimination disorder. And so for him, the criteria I felt like he met was the um, voiding of urine into bed or clothes, whether uh, involuntary or intentional. This behavior is clinically significant as manifested. <laughs> All right. <laughs> A clinically significant distress or impairment. And the chronological age is at least five years old. And we all know that Huey is over that age. And so I did give him enuresis. Um, I do want to ask though, mm-hmm. do you feel that he could potentially have the personality disorder and also have oppositional defiant disorder? So that's what I was thinking too. Of course, you can't diagnose. Well, not that you can't. It's not recommended to diagnose um, children, children <clears throat> with um, with these types of um, avoidant behaviors because it may not be developmentally appropriate. So I was going to do the oppositional defiant disorder. And then, of course, I go to that. Not all black boys are oppositional defiant. So that's why. Not all of them are, but I think Huey... you might be (laughs) I suppose yeah I mean especially when he when he cursed his um, teacher out Um, I mean okay okay so for that one the criteria that I felt like he met was the often loses temper Mm -hmm. is often touchy easily annoyed Mm -hmm. is often angry or resentful often argues with authority figures or for children, like with adults. And so he's always arguing with granddad. He's clearly always arguing with his teachers. When Tom was his, co- was his coach, he was arguing with him. Anybody that presented as an authority, um, he argued He argued the uh, Tom about R. Kelly. <laughs> he did. Um, yeah. He made it hard for him and Huey um, because they couldn't get any a babysitter. So Huey had to lock him up <laughs> in mm-hmm. the house. <laughs> <laughs> And so I felt like then Huey became the authority. And so then that was, that's why they would bump heads. I often actively defies or refuses to comply with requests from authority figures or with rules. I mean, they literally had to shoot each other in the face with BB guns. Um, <laughs> often deliberately annoys others, often blames yes. others for his or her um, misbehaviors, which eh, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see him. It was never his fault. <laughs> and then um, has been spiteful or vindictive at least twice within the six months. And I left that with, um, pay me what you owe, Santa. Yeah. 
And this disturbance uh, in behavior is associated with distress in the individual or others in his or her immediate social context. So the family, the peer group, and colleagues. But so, I said not not full conduct disorder because he did not want the the level of uh, trouble that LaMilton was on. So when LaMilton came smoking with cigarettes, mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't want to run with him no more. He was like, I'm not mm-hmm. home. I do not want that type of trouble. <laughs> so what would his severity be as far as the specifier? I felt like moderate because it's present in school and at home. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So we would do oppositional defiant disorder that would lead to avoidant personality disorder. Yes. But current in uresis. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> now, the baby just wet the bed. Leave him alone. You still do. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Poor baby. Okay. Is that is that all you have for, for Riley? do um i just i would want to work with him on um reality testing because he did feel that everything that he saw in the videos was real and yeah. so when uh the first rapper that was voiced by most deaf was gay he did not want to believe that because that's yeah. not what happens in the yeah. in the videos or when he dropped the gun that's not very gangster of you <laughs> <laughs> And then when he uh, cursed out the the dude in the fundraiser, it was, I thought, what if this was a movie? And so I would want to make sure we are working on reality testing with him, um, social skills training, possibly, so that he can stop uh, cursing everybody out and yelling at him. (laughs) Some uh, family dynamic stuff to work on the relationship between him and Huey, so maybe they can stop physically assaulting each other with weapons. Um, that would be a big goal. And then some may possibly pair management training for a granddad. Absolutely. Because granddad is over it. He about he trying to not be bitchless. I mean, he wants to be <laughs> bitches. They they call me bitches because I got they so many bitches. Yeah, that's what he's trying to be. Yeah, so. but um <laughs> right. And so it it's it, it is a hard transition from being an empty nester to then having two small children again and then having two small children like Huey and Riley. Um yeah. I think Granddad ain't doing terrible, but he could use some additional supports. He could, he could. Okay. Besides Uncle Ruckus, because that's their only village is him and Uncle Ruckus. No relation. No relation. <laughs> Um, okay, so then I want to go on Uncle Ruckus because you mentioned him, but I did want to talk about Huey. And well, we don't have to really talk about it, but I, of course, we can about how you uh, are unfairly and unjustly diagnosing this young man. Oh, <laughs> so this is cluster A personality <laughs> disorder, paranoid personality disorder. But I agree with what you said earlier, it's not that. Would this have been him if it wasn't an, him actually still being investigated and watched and surveillance? Then the FBI, li- CIA literally showed up. They did. They did. And he did make some really good, valid points. And then it kind of makes me sad because even in situations like this, it's like when we have someone who becomes that militant and understanding the oppression of black people and want to fight and stand up for our people, they're kind of considered paranoid because they start to pick up and realize certain truths 
that most people find it hard to believe. Um, you know, Not hard like, to believe. I feel like it's to the point where people refuse to believe them because it's easier to navigate through life without those without shoes. Exactly. I feel like ignorance is bliss in that in that way. And people mm-hmm. just are more willing to turn a blind eye to it because then they would have to adjust how they move throughout their everyday life in order to accept those truths more fully. Exactly. And like even just his understanding of the prison industrial complex and breaking that down. You know, during that episode, like Huey was insightful. He was he was knowledgeable. He he even told um, Huey, I mean, told Riley, you know, maybe if, if we don't do that, what, what did he say? He, oh, when Riley said Gangsta Delicious got shot and <laughs> said again, and then Riley was like, we got to do something. He was like, I got an idea. Let's go to college so we don't end up like Gangsta Delicious, <laughs> right? So, but like when you think about that statement alone, that is that is just pretty much the like the understanding of this entire sitcom is like Huey adding the actual consciousness and, you know, the thoughtfulness behind it. And then Riley is, you know, showing the stereotypical idea of what it means to be American, not just black, but American in general and, and seeing things on TV and taking it for the full truth. So I, I'll take away my paranoid personality disorder. But if I were to put them on that spectrum, that's where I would see them. Yes, I just wanted to share some of the truths that he said. Um, maybe there are forces in this universe we don't understand, but I still believe we make our own miracles. Mm. Santa Claus is an Illuminati agent walking towards the new world order. <laughs> Being a bigger man is overrated. Oh, maybe I'm too young to know what the world is supposed to be, but it's not supposed to be this. Mm. It can't be this. So please. What makes your guy any less made than his? The ancestors already bought and paid for our crown. All we have to do is wear it. Yes. Oh, put that on a shirt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Just wanted to share those bits of wisdom from Huey. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Huey. We appreciate your words of wisdom. And then, I don't know, but he's my last. I'm not sure if he's your last, but Uncle Ruckus. Oh, child. Lord have mercy. I gave him, so this is uh, disassociative uh, disorders. And you know, disassociative identity disorder was formerly known as multiple personality disorder, DID. Mm -hmm. So I gave him... Uh, depersonalization (laughs) (laughs) and the criteria is a presence of persistent or reoccurring um, experiences of unreality detachment or being an outside observer with respect to one's thoughts feelings sensations body actions Um, distorted sense of time unreal or absent self emotional and physical numbing so basically, anytime that there was a black situation, such as his interaction with Martin Luther King, he felt himself as being on the white person's side versus the black experience. And so that's why I said depersonalization. And every every moment that he had a chance to talk badly about the black experience, he was on it. So those are my thoughts. I took a, a different approach at um at Uncle Ruckus and in his his treatment and how I would view him <laughs> as a uh, client. 
I started initially, I have two diagnoses for him. The first one being factitious disorder imposed on self. Used mm. to be Munchausen's, <laughs> now fictitious disorder paused on, uh, imposed rather on self. And the criteria is the falsification of physical or psychological signs or symptoms or induction of injury or disease associated with identified deception. And so he, with his revitiligo re- re- that he self-diagnosed himself with, the opposite <laughs> of what Michael Jackson had. <laughs> but like that's the disease or disorder that he continued to, to diagnose himself with and continue to spread. But he knew that was a lie. He knew it won't true. Um, <laughs> but yet he just continued, each day I get blacker and darker. Um, <laughs> And then the second diagnosis that I did give him to explain a little bit more of his ways of being, I guess would be the best way to describe that, is a general personality disorder. And so for him, that was an enduring pattern of inner experience and behavior that deviates markedly from the expectations of the individual's culture. And it was manifested in his cognition so the way of perceiving and interpreting himself him thinking that he is not with all the other black people for some reason okay other people all of his negative attitudes towards um black people and positive attitudes towards white people and the events that surrounded those his um affectivity which is the range (laughs) involves the range intensity and appropriateness of his emotional responses Mm -hmm. because i feel like they were very wide range they were very intense and often inappropriate (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um then his interpersonal functioning and so his workings and being alongside others because even though he tried to often side with white people like the time when he tried to speak to the police they ended up just whooping on him and Uh then all of the negative (laughs) interactions that he had with riley and granddad and uh, getting the the demon, trying to get the demon of stick yes. meter out of Tom with <laughs> nigga, get your black ass out of here. <laughs> and his um drunken singing of uh, a little special ditty, don't trust them new niggas over there. Uh, and then <laughs> falling off the stage. <laughs> and all of that was a result of his internalized racism and self-hate. Um, I actually would refuse Ruckus as a client because I feel that he would need a white practitioner for him to even listen, yet alone participate in therapy. Indeed. (laughs) You know how how they say you're not supposed to turn away a client because it's not ethical? Child at the dough. You got to go. Do this referral, sir, because I just can't take this referral gone. Go to this white man so he could tell you the truth that you're looking for. <laughs> mm. Mm. But yeah, I like that. I like that that uh, diagnosis for him as well. Okay. And so then I just have like a quick, you know, couple. I just want to run by you. Get your opinion okay. on. Okay. Ed Wansler. Oh, God. <laughs> What do you have him with? <laughs> okay, so I have one, and then I have like a questionable another one. Um, <laughs> I have post-traumatic stress disorder. He went to oh, Iraq. Absolutely. Yes. He was. They they said he he couldn't go out on no more missions because he was given a location because he was shit on himself. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and absolutely. then when they were when they were I guess fighting terrorism by trying to stick up that convenience store because the man. Was they were dumb. They were just dumb. <laughs> they said, 
they caught the Xbox killer an hour later. Had we just went to his house first instead of the convenience store, we could have stopped. <laughs> thanks for the episode. Thanks for not snitching. Like, come on, y'all. That, yeah, they should have just, they really should have got caught. They're just dumb. The bitches love emojis. Him <laughs> <laughs> and that stupid uh, headset. Who you, I thought you were talking to me. <laughs> Oh, the greatness that is Charlie Murphy. I miss him so much. Um, <laughs> uh, I would definitely medicate, possibly uh, some hospitalization for Ed Wensler. Uh, You think? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of DBT, teach those social, emotional regulation and um, interpersonal skills and <laughs> stress tolerance. Definitely. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. And then um, Jen Rummy. I diagnosed him with delusional disorder. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure of what type. Just, he's just, just delusional. delusional. Yeah, it's just delusional. <laughs> um, I don't and know then, what world he lived in. <laughs> the one where the things they were doing made sense. I, I don't know, but he was... <sighs> going along with all of it and he I think he really believed that they were really doing stuff and then <laughs> it would be like same time next week <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> like this was normal <laughs> um and then I have one that might be a little bit controversial and so I need um I need you to keep an open mind with me because you know I reach from <laughs> me and you both it's okay <laughs> so I diagnosed Sarah, Tom's wife, with fetishistic fetishistic disorder. <laughs> and her fetish being black men and perceptions of black power masculinity. Is that because a personality disorder? It is no, it is under the um paraphilic disorders. Oh, paraphilic. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> over a period of at least six months, recurrent and in intense sexual arousal from either the use of or with this one specific case it would be the highly specific focus <laughs> of <laughs> powerful black male masculinity as manifested as fantasies urges or behaviors these fantasy sexual urges or behaviors cause significant distress or impairment and it's not limited to articles of clothing um, or devices and so it yeah like her thing with usher her thing with Barack Obama and then come to find out she fucked Barack Obama. Right. And then Tom, like, it, Tom kept trying to be like, like your hubby, right? <laughs> and like their whole relationship. And then the time that Sneak Meaner possessed uh, Tom and yeah. then he fucked her and then she was like, yeah, I like this. And uh -huh. you don't, you don't, you're not even going to question how he's acting in a manner of which not the way your husband acts. You're just yeah. going to let him enter you okay well, okay so all right what would you specify as far as in a controlled environment in full remission i wouldn't but it's not a controlled environment and she not in remission it's active current current episode <laughs> recurrent i think i can't argue with that one that was actually a pretty good one <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> good reach. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
I love it. So, okay. What, what would you do as far as her being your client? That's not my specialty. Um, I would have I to refer her right. to a sex and intimacy therapist for her to get some specialized treatment because I want her to receive all the help that she so severely needs. Mm. And um, if, that's if she thinks this is even a problem, though. Maybe Tom can refer. Maybe a pimp named Slickback can refer her to a sex and intimacy no, that's therapist. Who, that's who you refer her to, a pimp <laughs> named Slickback. <laughs> where all my hoes are at all times. <laughs> oh, who, who, where are you at? Thank you, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was some of Cat Williams' best. <sighs> okay, so funny. a special thing I wanted to share with you. Did you know that in 2019, it was announced that Sony Pictures Animation would possibly be producing a reboot that would premiere in 2022 and Aaron McGruger would actually be involved with this one because oh. last season of Boondocks he was not and we could tell oh, the difference child yes, but um and HBO has said that they would pick it up for two seasons um each season would consist of 12 episodes but here's the the bad news we don't know if that is going to continue to go through with the passing of John Witherspoon and so RIP granddad we miss you we love you I know I had to give the good with the bad, but I also want to take this time right here to say fucking Regina King. She did that shit. Child. It's even funnier now, like, cause I'm like, I can just imagine her in the booth doing Riley. <laughs> like, nigga, you gay. <laughs> the voice. I love it. I love it. She's so talented. <laughs> and Alicia Keys was supposed to do one of the one of the voices. I think was supposed to have been um, possibly Huey. I'm not sure which one, but she couldn't get um, her schedule to line up because she had a lot going on at the time. And so they just asked Regina if she felt like she could change her voice and do the other one. And she said, yeah. And she would even sometimes like do them at the same time. So she would have conversations with herself as Huey and Riley in the booth which I think is pretty cool. Okay, so I just also wanted to highlight all of the truths that were told, all of the historical references, and <laughs> Granddad's recollection of things just, this nigga went and got a motherfucking raincoat. Damn, what's eating you? A goddamn German Shepherd. That's what's eating you. Where was you? I, I, I had to go back to the apartment because I forgot my raincoat. You went to... you. This nigga went to get a motherfucking raincoat. I can't believe you. He said they've been doing this fire hose stuff all week. I thought we all bring raincoats. Damn it, Robert. Who the hell shows up to a march with a raincoat? Bet you wish you had your raincoat right now. You son of a... <laughs> Poor granddad. He didn't get no credit when he was up there with Rosa Parks. He was like, so we're, I didn't... we're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fully diagnose um, granddad, so I didn't really mention it, but I would want to further assess him for possibly... Um, some type of mood disorder, possibly bipolar, because he seemed a little bit possibly like he could have been dealing with depression. I mean, technically, he lost one of his children as well as Huey and Riley lost one of their parents in the car accident that killed their parents, resulting in them to come live with him. And then there was like the the weird girlfriends that he would have, like Crystal and Ebony Brown and the killer kung fu wolf oh, bitch Luna. Shit. <laughs> that shit was crazy. 
And so even if he does not have a full diagnosis, I would possibly look at getting granddad a mood stabilizer, possibly some psychoeducation um, and family therapy overall to help him better handle Huey and Riley. Yeah. Sir bitches, Mr. Bitches. <laughs> or old nigga as the magnificent called him. <laughs> oh, Nick, right. With that being said, if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. Now, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. And please buy our merch. It's there purchase. Hurry up and buy. Hurry up and buy. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye.